Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Okay, 1 Peter 1, 13 through 18. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would... uh... Speak to us this morning. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see that you, um, what you would want us to hear. Lord, as even as we take notes, that you'd give us key thoughts, Father. I thank you, Holy Spirit, and I just pray that you would fall on this place this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 Thank you. Where's your glasses? Oh, nice. Excellent. There you go. Carry on. All right. Um, Gosh, it seems quieter in here today. Is it just that maybe it's that, that worship, Kevin? Thank you. So, such a blessing to be able to uh, worship with you, and we always obviously love having you here. We're in this series on holiness, and uh, there, there's two places that specifically where the Bible says, Be holy as I am holy, in Leviticus 19 and 1 Peter 1. Those are the te- now throughout Scripture it talks about holiness, obviously, but here very specifically in Leviticus, God says, "Be holy as I am holy," and in First Peter one it also says, "Be holy as I am holy," and it's an interesting thing. We we always talk about it, and we've talked about it through this series is holiness means to be set apart, to be separate and different. The world sits here, sin sits here. God says, "I've called you to be set apart, different." than over there. Now, what's, what's interesting to me is, is God says, be holy as I am holy. Now, my understanding of who God is is that he's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He is, he is um, other than. He's perfect. I am not. You are not. And, and when you read this, you go, how could I ever be holy as God is holy? How could I ever do this? He asks us specifically, so there must be a way to be set apart, to be different, to be dedicated to. That's what holiness means. When we really th- generally think about holiness, we think about it in the context of Leviticus 19 and, and obeying God's law. Leviticus 19 says this way about holiness. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying to all the congregation of people of Israel, and said to them, and say to them, you shall be holy, for I am holy, for I am the Lord your God, am holy. And then immediately after he says this, you know what he does? He goes into the Ten Commandments. So there's this correlation that he brings that says holiness is directly connected to this, the Ten Commandments. It is true. There's a, a holiness 
when I, when I serve no other gods, when I have no other gods before me. I'm walking in holiness when I have no idols in my life. And the difference between another god and an idol is, is God being a, a, a being, being other than. And an idol is something like television or, or um, something that, that grabs a hold of you and owns you in your life. Um, I am holy when I don't take the Lord's name in vain, but I use the Lord's name in a holy context. We walk in holiness when we keep the Sabbath holy. When, when you come on Sundays, uh, my, my usual, I'm going to say it, and Chris will get mad later, but, you know, this, this you, what do I usually say? The average person comes to church twice a month. There's something about being holy and being here regularly. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those of you who come twice a month. Now, most of you that are here don't. You come every week. But there's something that happens in the holiness of this place, of coming together as a group of believers and worshiping, singing and praising. There's a holiness when you honor your father and mother. You walk in holiness when you honor them. Now, the, the next one's kind of obvious, holiness when we don't murder. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Murdering would not be holy. There's a holiness. Now, let me, let me take it to what Jesus said, though. Jesus said, if you even think about hatred of your brother, you same as committed murder. So then when we bring it into the New Testament, there, you can see where the holiness takes root. There's a holiness when not committing adultery. We can take it to the New Testament there in our relationships with our wives and with our husband. There's a holiness when we don't steal, when we don't bear false witness, when we don't covet. Now, now, here's the problem with the Leviticus 19 left to stand by itself. When we just look at Leviticus, Leviticus 19, we start getting a checklist in our lives. Anybody have that holiness checklist? Well, I didn't murder anybody this week. I must be holy. I didn't steal this week. I didn't, you know, covet this week. I didn't have an affair with some woman or man this week. I am holy. And we get into this whole Leviticus 19 works mentality that is, it becomes very religious and just goes, check, 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 check. And, and that's not what the Bible is talking about. See, holiness is not a set of do's and don'ts. Holiness is, I can't do this, I can do this. Don't do this, do this. That's not holy. There's an aspect of it. When I walk in the holiness of God, I don't do this and I don't do that. But it's not a holy, I didn't do this. Holy, I do that. That's not what he's talking about here. That's not what this word is saying. It's not do's and don'ts. For God, holiness is not a mere action or a set of behaviors. Holiness is the essence of who he is. What, what did we say? We've talked about it over the last few weeks. Holiness is not what God walks in. It's who he is. He, we say this all the time. Life is about closing gaps. Life is all about closing gaps. The only one who didn't have any gaps is Jesus. He lived a perfect life. There's no sin. He was holy. No gap. You and I... Some of you, I, I can't go wide enough. It's about, you know, what I used to do. The, the, the idiot that I was, the jerk that I was, the liar that I was, the adulterer that I was back then. No, no, I'm just, I'm closing the gap to be more like Jesus. Holiness is about, about closing that gap. Therefore, holiness is not what I do, it's who I am. And there's a natural outpouring 
of God's holiness in my life because I've had this encounter with God, because I've experienced him, because I've, I've, I've walked with him. That's what the Bible is talking about. Because the essence of who God is, is holy, perfect, pure. Now Jesus takes the be holy of Leviticus and the holy of 1 Peter and perfectly melds them together in John 1.14. It takes that, 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 that don't do and that, that flesh and brings them together. See, the game changed in John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory and the glory of the only son from father full of grace and truth. When Jesus came, he took those ten commandments and he, and he, and he embodied them in who he was. And flesh came around these ten commandments. And they weren't just a bunch of checklists, but there was grace and mercy and truth that was together with who Jesus was. See, one is just religion. Don't do, don't do, don't do condemnation, guilt, you know, when I say don't do, don't do, you just you get this weight of, oh, I, you know, come to church every week. You should come to church every week, but when they go, that weight of come to church every week, read your Bible an hour a day, you know, pray an hour a day, give 10%, all those religious acts, all things that, by the way, we do, but if, if there's no flesh on it, if Jesus, the grace, the mercy, the truth, all, all that he is, then it's not truly what the word is talking about. God wants our holiness to be who we are, not what we do. You see, because holiness is a heart issue first and foremost. Holiness is about a heart. It's a heart issue before and above anything else. We walk in holiness when we fall in love. We walk in holiness when we fall in love with God's grace. We walk in holiness when we fall in love with God's mercy. We walk in holiness when we fall in love with his goodness, his forgiveness, his truth. That's when we're walking in holiness. We fall in love with Jesus and we walk in holiness. When we fall in love with this Jesus of this Bible, when I come into relationship with Jesus and I experience his grace, and I experience his mercy in my life, and I experience his goodness in my life, and I fall in love with this Jesus of this Bible, and he comes and he changes my life. And it's not just a checklist of don't do, don't do, don't do. Natural and the spiritual run parallel. We talk about this all the time, right? In the, in the, in the spirit world, God says, and gives us the commandments. He talks about life and death. He talks about being a father. In the natural world, we have truths of a father and how he deals with his kids. Here's how I know my kids are getting it. Here's how I know that my children are maturing and growing. Here's how I know. They go from mindlessly doing stupid things to consciously not doing stupid things. They go from, from I don't care what mom and dad think, I'm just going to, and my kids never did that. I'm sure your kids, my, I never experienced this. I'm talking from what I've heard about your children. Mine were, were really pretty perfect. Um, one of them was. Uh, okay, two. Is anybody else here? Uh, it, 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 you watch them as, as they're young kids, and, and they foolishly just ah, they stiff arm you and do what they want to do and say what they want to say. 
And then they start to see that dad's not, you know, completely crazy and there's some purpose behind what he says and there's wisdom behind what he says. And they slowly go from, you know, this stiff-arming and being foolish to just subtly going, this makes sense. There's hope in that. It's, it's the same process that you and I walk through as Christians. When, when we encounter God, and then all of a sudden we're reading this, where he goes, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And our experience is just this checklist of don't and do's and don'ts, and we haven't experienced who he is in worship. When we come into this place of worshiping, and I, and I, I literally, when, when Kevin says, raise your hands, and somebody goes, ah, oh, that church, that charismatic, crazy church, they want him to raise hands. You, you know what raising your hands does for me? It puts everything in alignment. Because here's what it does. It says, you're God and I'm not. When I raise my hand, I go, I surrender. What do you do when they throw a gun at your back? I surrender. Now, this is a, a spiritual encounter with God. That's the gun that hits me in the back, this spiritual encounter. of I can't control this thing called life. I'm not in control of it. I surrender. In fact, I surrender so much so I'm going to worship you because the answer is in the words that I am worshiping through. Correct? It's, it's not this crazy charismatic thing. Oh, you crazies. Can be. I've seen them rolling around the aisles. I ain't going to do that. I'm going to keep my mouth shut because I, I don't, I, God may say to me, hey, you, you full of pride man, go roll around in the aisles and I'm going to have to repent. And I, I would rather just raise my hands, let's say that. I would rather be on my face in worship before God. It's not crazy charismania. It's an understanding of the holiness of God. It's, it's when I fall in love with Jesus and I recognize his goodness and his grace and his mercy. And, and Peter takes the commandment of Leviticus 19, be holy as I'm holy, and he does what Jesus does. He puts flesh to it. Practically, he says, how do I walk in this holiness? You know, we've been talking about holiness. How do I walk in this holiness? Now, first and foremost, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you that gives you the power to walk in holiness. So well, first, let's back it up. First, you have to have an encounter with Jesus. You have to know him as your Lord and Savior. And then the Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead that lives in you, gives you the power to walk this out. And, and, and Peter just kind of gives you a practical picture of what that looks like. And, and, but here's the thing. As Christians, we may have this relationship with Jesus, but there are so many of us that aren't walking in the freedom and the holiness of God. And the church needs to step out so that she brings hope to the hopeless. How can I be holy as you are holy? 1 Peter 1, 16. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. How, how do I practically do this? And P Peter gives us like five things that he talks about here. Prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. Set your hope fully. Be obedient. Do not be conformed to the passions of the former ignorance. I, I just want to go through those really quick. If you're taking notes, which I'm sure all of you are because there's beautiful notebooks there. If you're taking notes... Um, you, can, you can write some of these down and grab a hold of them and, and, and wrestle with them and ponder them as you go through your week. Let's start with the first one, preparing your minds for action. You know why so many Christians don't walk in the holiness of God? Because they haven't prepared their minds. 
Look, I, I doubt that many of you in here are going to go to bed tonight, get up to work, and, and not prepare for what you're going to do at work. Especially if you have a real specific job that you're doing. Especially if you have something very intentional. I, I, I happen to when I go to work. My first meeting is at 10 o'clock every Monday morning with our, our manager over our, our teams. So I have to think. Last week, I didn't think so much, so I pushed it back to two so I could do that um, because I didn't prepare. This week, I'm, I'm preparing. But this, the same point is the point for Christians. Prepare your minds for action. We must take control of where our thoughts go and what our minds dwell upon. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says this. We destroy, another interpretation says this, we cast down arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. What does that mean? There are too many of us that are walking around that allow thoughts to come into our mind and we don't control them. There's too many of us that walk around and we hear the enemy saying, you'll never do it. You're a complete loser. You're an idiot. You're stupid. You're a fool. You're this. You're that. And what do we do? Too many times we entertain the thoughts. You know what the Bible says? Take the thought captive. Cast it down. Every vain imagination. It says don't entertain those thoughts. Chris has a, a very vivid imagination. She's very uh, uh, creative. On, there we go, back. Okay, back to Chris. Um, <laughs> see, see how I deflect there? It's not about me and not being able to control my mic. It's back to Chris and her issues. So, um, I love you. Um, we'll, we'll be, early on in our marriage, I, I realized something. We'll be driving down the street, and there's an accident. And all of a sudden, we keep driving, and I completely lose her. Meaning, it, like, she's off in another land. And, and she's emotional. I'm like, what is going on? And, and, and she would take, I don't think you do it as much anymore, do you? Okay, no. She, she would take scenarios and, and she'd start placing kids and people and friends and family in those scenarios. And it, it would be emotional. Am I, I'm sorry, am I totally exposing you? Okay, you got that look. I'm in trouble later, guys. Um, but at the point, we all do it. And, and as anybody else, you know, you, 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 this imagination goes. The Bible says this, to take our thoughts captive. Don't let those play out. Don't let those what-ifs. Don't let those I can't control. Don't let those things just rule our lives. It literally says when words are spoken over you, when someone says something that you don't like, when someone says something that's a lie, when there's stuff just coming at you in the television, on the radio. It says you take it captive and you throw it down. You don't receive it. In church, Christians are walking around this place called earth trying to bring the hope of Jesus, but they're receiving thoughts from the enemy that God never meant for you to hold on to. You want to walk in holiness, control what comes into your mind, and cast down every vain imagination that sets itself up against Christ Jesus. Throw it down. You want to walk in holiness. You want to walk in holiness? Be sober-minded. Being sober-minded means that we, all, that we do not allow ourselves to be captivated by any type of influences that would lead us away from sound judgment. 2 Timothy 4, 5. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure in suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Sober-minded. 
Church, here's what we need. You know what? We have people that are in the church that are drunk on politics. They're drunk on a certain candidate. They're drunk on a, on a, 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 a law or drunk on, on something that is going on. And, and God says, be sober-minded. We have, we have people in the church who are drunk on cultural issues, and they're on Facebook, and they're on this, and they're fighting, and they're taking these stands. And God says, be sober-minded. I haven't called you to fight that fight. I've called you to pray. I've called you to walk in holiness. I've called you to live a life that someone might see that might change the world, not in your stance that you put into the sand saying, I'm not going to move on this for one politician or another. sober-mindedness that, that, that runs parallel with holiness. And it's a, a humility that, that, um, that I walk in, that I'm called to walk in, in this holiness. He, he says, as for you, always be sober-minded. He says, endure suffering. Now, this is interesting that he puts sober-mindedness and suffering side by side. You know why? Because a sober-minded man or woman will take a political view. I'm going to give you one. I'm going to be sober-minded. And some of you are drunk on not being sober-minded on this. I'm going to hit it. Abortion. You know why it says sober-minded, enduring suffering? Because if you take a stand for life, they're going to crucify you. Ah, oh, you are so closed-minded in this. You're so this and women's rights and this rights and I'm a man up here saying that. I've got to be sober-minded. You know what sober-mindedness is? Is I search these scriptures and I'm looking through these scriptures and time after time after time again, I see the purposes of man and women, of babies, prior to them even being born. I see the promises of God in this word that talks about an, an infant, a child that hasn't even been born yet. I, I can't get away from Psalm 139 that says, that says, I knew you before you were a thought in your parents' mind. I knew you as I knit you together in your mother's womb. There's purpose for you each day set before you before one of them came to pass. A sober-minded believer in Jesus Christ cannot be drunk on politically correctness. That doesn't play well in church. I, I don't know what to do. I didn't write this believe it i see it's true church we have to be sober-minded even to the extent that you may endure some suffering taking a stand for something that's not politically correct do the work of evangelists well uh, bringing hope the hope of the gospel is doing the work of the evangelist and then you're fulfilling your ministry number three Set your hope fully on the grace that has been brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope fully on God's grace. Church, I'm so sick of me and others and, and, and church members who set their hope on Jesus making them rich, of Jesus healing them, and, and, and making their marriage the greatest thing. Of G, you, all these con concepts and, and minds, and we run down and we, we enter this relationship with Jesus only because we want something. It's not truly a relationship. It's all about what can the genie give me out of the bottle? 
And, and it's this, I set my hope on, look, if I give my life to you, Jesus, you're going to make me rich. If I give my life to you, Jesus, you're going to give me the right husband or the right wife. If I give my life to you, Jesus, fill in the blank. And my hope is not in those things, because those things are fleeting. They come, they go, they happen, they don't happen. But what he says right here, uh, Peter says, is, is, is set your hope fully on God's grace. What I know that I know that I know is that the grace of God is, is what I receive to have eternal life. A greater gift than any of those things that I've mentioned. The grace of God that gives me eternal life that gives me a relationship with God is, is what I focus on. That's where my hope is. Not in this stuff. Uh, God, if you want to give me a new house, I'll take it. I'm not putting my hope in that. God, if you want to make Chris nicer, I'll take it. I'm not putting my hope. You guys know. He's amazing. My hope is in God's grace that changed me. Not in this stuff. I'm going to still pray. I'm going to still ask. Nothing wrong with that. But I want to make sure it's aligned. I want to make sure it's, it's, it's righteous. My kids ask me for stuff all the time, less and less as they get older, but they ask me for stuff all the time, and I go, ah, you idiot, why would you ask for that? I just, sometimes I say, why are you guys laughing? Do you think I would do that? Uh, no. Some, I just go, no, no. And there's times I ask, and God just goes, no. And sometimes he goes, not yet. And sometimes he says, yes. Same way I interact with my children. Set your hope on his grace, not on his stuff. Number four, he says, be obedient. You want to walk in holiness? We walk in obedience. I walk in obedience to the power of the Holy Spirit, not by anything that I do. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says this, and Samuel said, has the Lord as the great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of the ram. What did you say? Obedience is great. Yeah, but I went to church this week. No, 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 obey. Yeah, but I, I said a prayer at dinner. I said, no, okay, obey. Yeah, but I, I, I tipped God and gave 10 bucks to church. No, okay, obey. It, it, again, natural and spiritual. You know, with, with, with my kids. Yeah, but I did this. I cleaned the garage, God, or Dad. I did this. I cleaned my room, and I, I, I did this. No, that's not what I asked you to do. I just asked you to obey. And, and, and we like to go, I do this, and I, I walk old ladies across the street, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nice, and all. And it's just, I, just, I just want you to obey. And it's difficult when I'm not submitted. Again, back to one of the reasons. Why do I raise my hand? Because it's a reminder of submission to the one who created me, who has the power, the same spirit that lives in me, the power to move in my life, to change me. God has called us to obedience. Number five, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Peter says, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Everyone who is in Christ has before and an after. We did not understand that. We didn't understand. The, the before or the uh, before, we didn't understand this thing called relationship with Jesus. We didn't understand what it meant to be free. We didn't know what it meant to walk in freedom. We didn't know what it meant to walk in purity. We didn't understand what holiness meant. 
We didn't understand. We lived in ignorance of what was real and what mattered. Yet I find myself and I find Christians over and over again living in their old stuff. Living in their old stuff, their old ways, their old passions. You're not ignorant of it anymore. When you come into this relationship with Jesus, if you know Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you're not ignorant of these things anymore. You don't have to walk in the swallow. You don't have to walk in the crap. You don't have to sit in the stuff. You're a new creation in Christ. You have the same spirit that raised him from the dead that lives in you to overpower the sin that comes to you. Why are we living in the same passions? We're not ignorant of what God can do. You want to walk in holiness? Be aware of who he is, what you were and who you are. You're not the same person. I don't care what the enemy says to you. I don't care what anybody says. You're not the same person. You're a new creation. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You have forgiveness. You can walk in grace. You have goodness of God. You have the spirit that walks with you. You don't have to sit in that same stuff over and over again. But you better step out and realize that and not be ignorant of the fact that you're not called to walk this thing alone. That God's called to link you with others. He's called you to be a part of a family, a body. He's called you to walk with other men and other women that will disciple and stand beside you. This is not a lone ranger deal. You're called to walk with others. You know why I raise my hands when I worship? Because it brings humility and I realize I can't do this by myself. It's, it's not an act of, hey, look at me. It's an act of total surrender. It's a surrender to God because of who he is. And it's a surrender going, God, I need you, but I also need these other people. I, I can't do this thing called life apart from you. I don't want to be conformed to the passions of my former ignorance. I, I don't want that in my life anymore. I need you to walk with me so I don't. I need her to walk with me that I might walk in the holiness of God. And so on and so forth. Peter gives us this, this look into what it's like. But then he, he shifts gears at the end here. He shifts gears and he says this, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. In uh, Micah says, 6, 8, it says, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and, love and, and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. He says, if you call on him as father, what he's saying is this. He's given us a picture of a father relationship. What did we just say? In the natural, as a father, I bring justice in my home. I bring judgment to my children. I bring justice to this place, this space that I, that I call home as the father. I bring, I bring grace and I bring mercy. And the same thing he's saying here is there's a father in heaven that brings justice and he deals with your sin. He deals with your disobedience. And he judges impartiality according to each one's deeds. And then, then he goes on, he says, conduct yourself with fear. Well, you know what that literally translates is conduct yourself with wisdom. See, because Proverbs 2, 4 through 7 talks about the fear of God is, is the beginning of wisdom. If you seek it like silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And if you find the knowledge of God, and find the knowledge of God, 
For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. He says when you conduct your life, when you walk in the fear of the Lord, when you humbly raise your hands and say, you are God, you are Lord, you alone are God, when we do that, we humbly say who he is and we declare who we are and we're seeking his wisdom. I want the wisdom of God. He says, conduct yourself with the fear of the Lord, the wisdom of God. And then he finishes with this last part. He says, throughout the time of your exile. And if you read it all and you go through that Peter and you just kind of read through it and read through it, you just kind of, oh, and you just go on. But he's, he's making a declarative statement right here. He says, this isn't home. He says, this earth, you know how I deal with difficult times? Because I realize this isn't home. Do you know how I am, I am processing and getting through the loss of my mother? Because this isn't home. And I know that I know that I know she's standing with her Savior tonight, today. Because this isn't home. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever difficulty has grabbed a hold of you, you've got to process it, you've got to walk with the Lord, and you've got to rely on the Holy Spirit. But you can know that you know that you know this isn't home. It ain't going to last forever. In fact, it says in, in, in 1 Chronicles, it says, for we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there's no abiding. It just We're just here. We're just passing through. We're just passing through this crazy place. This isn't home. This isn't where I belong. This is not what I was created for. I was created to worship. There's so many things in this place, this, this non-home, that, that obstruct my worship. Hence Peter telling us, here's what you need to do. In 1 Peter 2.11, he says, Beloved, I beseech you as sojourners and pilgrims to abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. I'm just passing through. I don't have to stay here forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It isn't home. Question. Does your life look any different than someone who has never encountered Jesus? Does your life, would, would someone go, here is you, any one of you, who's encountered Jesus? Here is whomever who's never encountered Jesus. Or would it be, here is whoever's never encountered Jesus, and here is you who's encountered Jesus? We've got to look in the mirror once in a while and ask the question. See, holiness requires us to be set apart. And far too many Christians... In far too many times in my life, I look just like I've never met Jesus. I look like the culture. And God says, culture's over here. I need you to be set apart. Culture's over here saying what culture is saying and defining and, and, and the, just the stuff. And I've called you to be set apart, different. And the world needs to see a church that is set apart. 
When I say church, who am I talking about? Talking about you. Talking about me. Holiness requires us to be set apart from the culture. Holiness, Jesus, is the hope that others see. When you and I walk in this holiness of God, people go, there's something different. That, there's something about that guy. There's something about that woman. I, I may not be able to put my finger on it, but, but there's something about him, and it's Jesus. And my question to us is, is your life selling hope? Or is it selling the world? Hopelessness. Look, the reality is we're all selling something. Do you want to be real? I want to sell hope. And I say that tongue-in-cheek because I have a relationship with Jesus. He is my Lord and Savior. And I want, to, I want others to taste and experience the hope of Jesus in my life. Not the hopelessness that I might present at times. Because God has called you and I to be a light. A light in the midst of this darkness. And if we don't walk in the holiness of God, that light gets a little, 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 lot dimmer. And the church needs to be bright in this world today. Everyone's selling something. What are you selling today? What are you selling today? It's God's word, it's prayer, it's worship, and it's each and every day that brings this relationship that I have with him. That's where I would ask you to sit and just with the Lord that you might be holy as he is holy. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time, for these men and women, and God, for the words. God, as you ask us to be holy, even as you are holy, we go, well, how do we do that? God, I thank you that you don't just go, figure it out. But God, you give us this word. Even these words in 1 Peter, Father God, that, that give us the insight on how to be holy. God, thank you. God, I pray over each one of us that, that we would be a people that walk in your holiness. That God, that, that as people would taste our lives, that they would taste the holiness of God. That as people would, would observe us from afar, they would observe Jesus. That hope would go forth out of the men and women in this church, Father. God, I thank you for them. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen.